The most important thing is the ability to create, grow, maintain, and nurture lifelong relationships. That's the definition of success. Welcome to the Create and Grow Rich podcast. Now here's your host, best-selling author and award-winning teacher, Janine Letford. Hi, I'm Janine Letford, intercultural creativity keynote speaker, and this is the Create and Grow Rich podcast, produced by Cafe Intercreative Strategies, an industry leader and founder of Intercultural Creativity Training. Most people don't know that your creative thinking is affected by your ability to observe, connect, and adapt with people across cultural lines. And this creative health affects your financial wealth and your company's bottom line. So if you're looking to increase your intercultural creative thinking, as well as your financial outlook, then this podcast is for you. On the Create and Grow Rich podcast, we bring you successful entrepreneurs and top creative thinkers who exemplify that creative thinking isn't just artistry, but encompasses so much more. And it's for everyone. For the show notes for this show and for tips on improving your inclusive creative thinking with the seven gems of intercultural creativity, go to cafestrategies.com. That's C-A-F-F-E strategies.com. Now enjoy the show. Hey, this is Janine with the Create and Grow Rich podcast, and I'm so excited to bring my next guest to you, Mr. Brad Kopenick. Brad is a musician, actor, writer, producer, advocate, educator, and entrepreneur. He's a co-founder and president of SparkRise, a game-changing new platform and producer of various films about arts, literacy, and the human condition. He's a frequent guest on the speaker circuit and most recently spoke at the UN Sustainable Goals at the United Nations Novus Summit with his producing partner, Val Kilmer, and with the former student collaborator, Dominic Combs. For his work in the classroom, Kopenick was awarded the Heart Vision Award, the California Charter Teacher of the Year, that's how I met him, and Monthly Innovator Award through the Professional Teachers Network. He was a founding teacher at five charter schools in the San Fernando Valley through Puck Schools and co-founded a charter high school called VIP, Valley International Prep, recently named one of the top schools in LA by Hollywood Reporter. Welcome to the show, Brad. Well, thank you so much and welcome to you, Ms. Ledford. Awesome to have you here. I have known you almost my entire teaching career. You have watched me grow as an educator, and I have certainly been mentored by you and just watched you do amazing things and been pushed by you to do amazing things because you are amazing. I just really want you to give the audience a more robust background about who you are and how you basically came to be where you are today. And vice versa. And you have been an inspiration to me and a mentor to me and I'm inspired by everything you're doing, and it's a pleasure to be here. I am on a new path. I was 25 years in education, but uh, I found my way into teaching originally through running programs in Shakespeare, improvisation, animation, storytelling for young people. It originally started, I took all my songs from my rock band in my 20s and created children's rock musicals. And you know they would be around literacy or around Earth Day themes, environmental themes, et cetera. And then uh, eventually I bought some cameras and I started an animation program. And before I knew it, I was in 150 schools. So we ran that as part of Anderson and Richmond. It was part of Four Arts Sake Productions. It was called Summer in Cinema. We eventually 
wound up on studio sites with professional producing partners. That was called the entertainment experience. And then uh, finally uh, handed it over to my partners and it was moviesbykids.com. So if it involved storytelling, I was somewhere every day with 50 to 100 students at various locations teaching stop motion animation. And uh, it was a blast. And that eventually turned into my work with autistic kids through Actors for Autism. So I took the same curriculum and equipment and uh, we ran these programs. And then uh, at one point, these PBS filmmakers came along, a guy named Alex Rotaru, and they, uh, they shot my first camp with autistic students. And so it, it was just sort of this pathway of young people storytelling and then me loving what they're doing so much going, I got to tell a story about the stories they're telling. So that led to uh, Shakespeare High. And I, I, I'm one of these guys, you know, people say art saved my life, but I just went and visited my high school theater teacher, Bob Corelli. It was his 90th birthday last Friday. And I stay in touch with him because he changed my life. I mean, theater art saved my life. And we know this because we know it. <laughs> it teaches us how to speak. It teaches us how to move and how to be teaches us how to make sense of the world. And um, I'd always wanted to make a movie about my high school theater class and also just about the process that brought so many people together. So when we were in high school, Hollywood High School versus Beverly Hills versus Chatter. And what happened was all these people who competed in these festivals went on to become major storytellers, Academy Award winners, Grammy winners, etc. So, I eventually made a film called Shakespeare High. It was uh, Richard Dreyfuss and Val Kilmer and Mayor Winningham and Kevin Spacey and some of the students that I went to high school with. And it was also my charter kids who we, we didn't have a room. We were teaching, you know, I was teaching Shakespeare in a parking lot. So I turned the camera on my former students and they were being taught by two wonderful teachers, Sarah Rosenberg and Louis Cardenas. And I said, let's go, let's just do, there are several documentaries that come out about competitions, but I was like, we have, we still have a chance to do something. So we did that, we made Shakespeare High. And since then, I have retired from education. I co-founded a high school six years ago called VIP High School that I'm radically proud of. Hollywood Reporter says one of the top schools in LA. Um, and you were there when I started it. And you know how that feels to start a school. It's like, it's chaos. You're doing as much as you can with nothing. Which by the way, I love. I love to be thrown in a space. It's that whole spolen, find yourself in the space, a goose of a while. I love it, right? So I love that process, but VIP High School just got a new building on Roscoe. It's get lit. They were get lit champions, national speech and debate champions, and they all play rock and roll. We all played music and that brought music back into my life. So I'm in this continuous give and take with my former students who bring their gifts back to me. I get to work with them. I'm partners in businesses with them. They're amazing artists. I'm 
currently watching some of my students become just globally radical. <laughs> uh, one of our get lit poets was the artist Her. And there is no greater joy, I think, than being a teacher, mentoring and celebrating other teachers, and watching your students find their way in the world, whatever they do. Cut to where I am now. I've always been interested in interactive technologies. And in my communications classes in my high school, there was one day that I called Winky Dink Day. Do you know what Winky Dink is, Janine? I do not. When I was young, this is crazy. Winky Dink, you put this plastic on your TV and it came with markers and Winky would tell you to draw a spaceship. And then Winky would tell you to draw your way out of the cave and you draw a cave. Now the problem I believe was eventually people did not buy the Winky Dink kit and they drove and they wrote directly on their televisions with permanent markers. Problem for the Dinkster. However, in my classes, I used to teach Winky Dink. I'd sing the song, I'd show the thing and I'd talk about what would happen if you projected Winky Dink into the future? What does interactive technology look like now? So one of the assignments in my class was take something you love, a technology, a simple technology, something you use every day and project it 10 years into the future, write a business plan, create a proposal and come back. So I was doing that 15, 10 years ago. Well, that now is my company. <laughs> so I have a company called SparkRise and SparkRise is an interactive technology. It's an SAS platform that it's just a better, faster, easier way to raise money for social good. You've used it. And it's also a phenomenal way for corporations and companies to give back. They need help doing this. So uh, 10 years ago, I took a thousand kids to a movie and we made $30,000 in two minutes and nobody had to give a dime. I called the press, I took pictures, we made signs in five languages and I gave a speech on corporate giving 10 years from now. It is now 10 years from now. <laughs> so I am the president and co-founder of SparkRise. I have beautiful, amazing partners, wonderful partners like Mark Duplass and Val Kilmer and a lot of uh, marketing and corporate uh, brand partners. And we're, we're doing our thing. So my goal is to raise money to put theater in schools for environmental causes, for the American Cancer Society, which I'm touched by, for Parkinson's. And we're doing it. That is an amazing, an amazing story and such a testament to the creative genius and the creative passions that I see that you have and the kids have and your coworkers that they have Spark Rise is basically on the forefront of FinTech. Now that's a new term. We've heard of FinTech now. FinTech is big and you know I'm big on financial literacy. What is FinTech and how is it revolutionizing the way we, we give? Digitizing philanthropy now is the thing, right? Good is the new cool is my friend's book. Um, <laughs> corporations have to give back. And we wanna interact with our constituents and our, but we don't, we don't necessarily want to ask you for a dollar <laughs> and like it or not. And everybody's, we've been, it's been like this, we've been through so much, but um, we're being advertised to, and we know that, all right. 
But there are better ways to do this and more transparent ways to hold corporations and companies accountable during that process. So long and short, part of my curriculum with my students was, who rented your eyeballs this weekend? I glommed on to media literacy about 15 years ago and I did not let go. I used to tell my students, I really don't care what you learn. You better know who created the message, what creative techniques are being used to attract my attention. How might someone different than me view this message differently? What values and lifestyles and points of view are represented in the message or omitted from the message? Why was the message sent, profit or power? That's part of the Center for Media Literacy, Media Literacy Lit Kit. Those are the five key questions that can change the world, and they do. And they promote critical thinking in classrooms. And it's a simple way for any teacher to ask five questions about a hip hop video, a movie, a song, any piece of media. So this whole conversation about digital humanity, digital citizenry, media literacy has been part of my everyday going on with my community for about 20 years. And now it's here. So all the things we talked about, right? And especially this year, what a year, what a year, what a year, what a year, right? I just wrote a piece for a book called Corona Silver Linings Anthology because I'm home for the first time in 20 years. I actually can find the silver linings and we've all suffered so much loss and I'm so sorry for that. I've learned to meditate and I'm, I'm tripling down. But more importantly, I'm present with my two sons and they're older men, they're 29 and 23 and my wife. But one day I'm sitting out there in 50 boxes of oil. You know what it's like, you, you move out of your school, you still have all that stuff, right? So I'm literally sitting in 20 boxes worth of stuff, but I'm, and the, the election stuff's going on and Floyd's happening. And, and I'm looking at assignments from 20 years ago, tolerance, empathy. We did a piece on racism with my students. I took them to see Crash opening night. I didn't know how to teach that. I had zero idea how to create a lesson plan. But I took them to the opening night of Crash and I turned to them and I said, that's our year. What? I said, that movie just blew our minds. It had 20 different bullet points. Deconstruct the bullet points and use hip hop, animation, spoken word and performance art to move an audience. It's the assignment. And then it ended up being a play called The Assignment. And it was a project-based learning assignment where I'm the benefactor. I was the one who learned that year. They did too, we had a blast. But I was brought media literacy and conflict resolution techniques and connectivity and community circle and tribes and all these methodologies that I had no idea. They were brought to me through a project-based learning assignment where the students were driving and I was on a magical school bus. And in the end, that's what we want for our kids to have these interactive implementable tools that are transferable, you know, and that they can take the content of whatever content they're learning, but now they have these transferable skills to really take into the workforce or wherever, whatever they're going to do. Another aspect that I love that you spoke on is when you were doing these projects with your kids, you had an entrepreneurial tagline or it's our theme to it at the end. They had to create a business plan and learn how to pitch. 
what made you, you weren't teaching a business course, but no. what made you have that element intact? The last line of Shakespeare High um, is spoken by a very famous professional actor, but we will, who says, it's when you're waiting in line and, and somebody communicates. The last line is basically theater's about communication, period. So we teach music, we teach art, we, te we teach all the different skills and technology about, can you persuade, right? Do you know how to listen? Can you actively listen? Can you precision listen? Do you know how to listen for information? These are skills, right? And the other methodologies that many that I did discover maybe too late, you know, think. Before you speak, is it thoughtful? Is it honest? Is it intelligent? Is it necessary? Is it kind? Wait, why am I texting? Why am I talking? Why am I saying anything? And then communication strategies and conflict resolution strategies negotiate, mediate, compromise, avoid, delay, surrender. That saved my life once get help. So embedded in all these communication strategies are, are sort of like the ultimate life lessons that every one of us wishes we could practice, but usually we're moving too quickly. So my students, ah, I'm going to cry, but taught me to meditate. Um, I had some parents come into the school at VIP and after I gave what I called the Willy Wonka tour, and it really was, it was, it's an amazing place. <laughs> but I give the Willy Wonka tour and they said, could you shut the door? And they said, we're gonna move our two daughters down from Northern California. By the way, we teach meditation globally. Can we, and I said, can you be here Thursday night at seven o'clock? So they actually did teach meditation globally in schools and lots of people. And they taught me to meditate, but it's my students who created the Vibe Tribe at one school. We meditated daily in our first year of VIP and it was life-changing. I remember a couple of weeks into the school, pipes burst. We, we had just opened the campus. So there's no school. You're like, it was like 10 days in school. Well, we had, treat, we had trained them in Mind Up. Goldie Hawn gave us the Mind Up curriculum, trained their teachers, trained the students. So I get a phone call. I know where I would have been in high school if my pipes burst. I'm at the beach, man. I'm gone. You're not going to, I'm so gone, right? I get this call, Mr. Kopenick, we're at Lake Balboa Park. Who is? Well, a lot of us. What? I go there. There are like 35, 40 kids sitting in a circle meditating. Who learned the lesson that day? It was incredible. So we largely built that school. We in the first two months, we didn't have phones, we didn't have computers, we didn't have rocks, we didn't have anything. Yeah, we did, we had a space and it was a sacred space. So we played Spolin games and we played Spolin games and we played Spolin games in this giant empty church as the light poured in. It absolutely created a culture of inclusivity, compassion, and just this, um, these amazing communicators.
And so I have had the opportunity to experience all that firsthand. And now I just want to find a way to help fund Get Lit, the National Educational Theater Foundation that we started to put theater in underserved communities. You and I both know, including Alumni 360 and the amazing work you do, that some inner city Shakespeare we do here at Hellmell Studios. I know she's been doing it for 10, 20 years with almost nothing, right? Fumes, and you know, cause I know who you are. <laughs> you and I are the, you know, people just don't understand that when you're teaching, you are literally reaching into your pocket every other second just to get over the line, right? I think there's a better way. And I think there's a, a way for teachers and administrators and programs to access funding in a new model. So philanthropic technology and PhilTech is not just SparkRise, but my former student, and now he's like a son, brother, collaborator, business partner, Dominic Combs, he created GVNG, start a nonprofit, 501c3 functioning in two minutes. I'm sorry, what, says Brad? Start a 501c3. You don't need a half a year and a pile of paperwork, what? No 200 documents, no tens of thousands of dollars, no year and a half, no calling that lawyer. It opens your bank account, it keeps you compliant, and Dominic is the king of PhilTech. And it's not just GVNG, and it's not just SparkRise. He actually and we actually have some surprises and it's glorious because they're simple solutions, but they work. And so we're putting philanthropic technology into schools. And by the way, Dominic did that with the Malibu Fires Foundation from, with Miley Cyrus. He did it for Richard Branson for Venezuela. It's an amazing company, but the other PhilTech solutions that we're coming down the line here are it's like why didn't why isn't that being done and the answer is it is it is now and that's the question right the curiosity that that drives you you know as i am trying to champion a new definition of creativity that includes the art the arts but it just includes you know problem solving problem finding and really being attentive to your environment and observation and and creating things of value just how your companies are looking to fill the gaps of yeah, why isn't this being done? How do we get people to, to give with it being effortless, correct? And just getting the funds where they need to go because the kids need these skills, especially in this type of landscape where these 21st century skills, these transferable skills are creativity is going to be the number one skill needed in the workforce. How do we get more of the kids who don't have access to that type of training? Dominic was thinking when he, when we hooked up, he actually said this too, he's smart, but he said, um, oh my God, I learned how to pitch my company in your improv class. He honestly said that and whether he meant it or not, because you, again, you, you leave your high school theater experience or your speech and debate or your spoken word, whatever's going on, and you take them into your other space, right? Whatever you're passionate about. And I, during Corona here, have been reinvestigating my pathway in creativity as a young man. 
I've been thinking about things that quite frankly, I've never ever thought about. I had wonderful, wonderful, wonderful theater arts teachers and the individuals around me. I'm in business right now. Well, I'm in business with some of the people that I went to high school. I tell kids this, look around the room because you will be in each other's lives. So I know you might want to be away from each other now, but my theater class, Kevin Spacey, Val Kilmer, Mayor Winningham, but wait a second, the CEO of Tesla, CEO of Entertainment Pictures, one of the largest television and film companies, CEO of Dunhill, and there's like five others that are major storytellers. And then everybody, quite frankly, is amazing whatever they do. They retain that sort of vibe. We all hang out. My high school theater class, we love each other and we actually communicate and hang out. That's rare. It has to do with that whole arts experience. I was gonna ask you, you know, as opposed to another type of class and another discipline, is there a tighter bond in theater class because you have to bring your emotional self and the, how the brain works, you hold on to more memories thicker, better when there's emotional connections during the encoding of the actual experience, correct? Yes, <laughs> of course. Hey, you're on with Janine, repeat, you're on with Janine. Yeah, I can't handle this because she's like, woo. I, I, truthfully, and, and Val, Val Kilmer is amazing. We are in such a state of play, creating these books. He has a wonderful book called I'm Your Huckleberry on Simon and Schuster. But we have a poetry book, an acting book, and some other cool stuff this month coming out. And it genuinely feels like young people just riffing. It doesn't feel like work. It feels like, dude, 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 dude. I mean, we get excited and laugh and get frustrated, but but. It's very creative. I don't think ever in my life did I think that I was going to be able to tell stories with such joy. It feels wholly creative, completely collaborative, radically communicative, and we have an emotional, con emotional connection that I really can't put into words. And that's really what life is about, having those aesthetic, you know, deep, deep times of learning. So I, I just really wanted just to, to make sure people understood the importance of what you're, you're doing. I want people to understand just how important you have brought in the arts for yourself, but also for your students and how you really made that transferable for them and have seen the fruit of what it looks like to bring in those key elements. Because sometimes I feel like if you and I are just, just preaching to the choir, we keep saying the same things. The arts are important. They don't want to be professional artists per se, but they want to be skilled in living a life well-lived. And so having an arts background, I believe is a critical component to having a life well-lived. I got a call this morning. You actually just, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I have a call this morning from a student, former student. I had a call two nights ago from a former student. And I'm just watching my amazing students. God, the, my student from VIP and my poets from Get Lit, they made a movie called Summertime and it opened Sundance. I say, what? Because <laughs> you sit there and you go, 
okay, it what? And it did. And again, I really don't care where you're at, but if your creativity, if your inner life is alive, and if you have to, and then to reach out the way I reached out to Bob Corelli, my 90 year old theater teacher two weeks ago, there's no greater gift to the student, I think. I know I feel that way about my teachers and to the teacher. So one thing Val and I are asking this year is we're using Mark Twain, all right? It's the best work of his career. He traveled to 35 states with a movie he let my high school kids shoot at the time. Say what? They weren't even in the film academy. Some of my communication students were on stage in 2013 following Val Kilmer as he discovered Mark Twain. I was too busy to even really realize what was going on, but that's an extraordinary experience for young people, but this also was a huge help to Val. And they got to work with Leo Scott, who is an extremely talented director who has some amazing work coming out this year. And we're asking people through the eyes of Mark Twain, what does it mean to be a real American? And you've seen Cinema Twain, but Val's Twain is, uh, it's a compassionate work. It's spiritual, it's playful, it's funny because in his roots, Val is a Saturday Night Live actor. Nobody knows this but me, but he really could have, if he would have veered to the right, he would have been more Jim Carrey-esque. That's who Val is. He did he, a million voices his whole life, transformation into characters. But using Twain this year, post-election, post-Floyd, Corona, we're using the piece to move people and then to ask young people to create films poetry, speech, theater, around what it means to be a real American. So that launches as Twain Mania. And I'm really excited about that. And then I just wanna say one more thing about Spark Rise because we just two days ago finally, finally came out the gate and our first campaign is called the Snowball Challenge. It's like the ALS Bucket Challenge, only it's for brands. So it's a way for a business to donate to a cause, make a video, challenge another business, and they get an ROI. They get a return on the investment for that. They get a badge on a website. There are influencers involved. So part of the problem with all these sponsorships is nobody looks at the banner anymore, right? Nobody watches the commercial. Mm -hmm. Nobody's actively engaging with the advertising. What we're talking about is taking those same marketing dollars and turning them into philanthropy dollars and providing a significant ROI for the company that helps Alumni 360 because they do deserve something back for helping you out. But too many people, they just get too used to here's the check and that's it. And you don't know, really know what company sponsored or who gave that check and it just kind of happens and goes away. So the snowball challenge is set up right now. Snowball challenge.org. And you'll look at some of the uh, wonderful organizations that we're working with, but you can, a brand can donate to anybody and the checks go straight from the brand to the cause. So that's what we're doing. Awesome. Awesome. Well, our time is up. Thank you so much for being on the Create and Grow Rich 
podcast. I love to end with a special gem because our logo is a, a diamond and we believe everyone should shine bright like a diamond. What gem would you like to leave with our audience? The most important thing is the ability to create, grow, maintain, and nurture lifelong relationships. That's the definition of success. I love you and thank you for having me. I just enjoy your energy and your drive and just the joy that you just share with whoever you come in contact with. So I'm thank, thank you. I'm so grateful for you being on the show. I'm so grateful for you showing the information about Spark Rides. If people wanted to go and find these places. Sparkrides.com, snowballchallenge.org, valkilmer.com. The work that's coming out is absolutely, you're not going to believe what's coming in the next six months. Awesome. Well, make sure you go to those websites, follow him. I believe he believes on uh, some of the social media sites as well. So I'll have those links in the show notes. Follow him and go live your best interculturally, creatively designed life. See you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I love you. Thank you for tuning in to the Create and Grow Rich podcast, where your creative health supports your financial wealth. If you'd like to contact Janine or ask her a question, email her at podcast at creativewealthacademy.net. That's podcast at creativewealthacademy.net. Thanks again for joining us again today. And don't forget to live a courageous and creative life.